Welcome. Uh, today we will review the state of Florida uh, and how they administer the Tele4D program. Uh, we've reviewed other states. We've reviewed the state of Texas, and feel free feel free to review those uh, videos. Let's get started. Hello, my name is Chris, and in this episode, we're reviewing the state of Florida and the administration of the Title IV-D program and processes and how it comes into conflict with your rights. As always, uh, we here, we review statute laws and, and codes under what we call our non-lawyer maxim, uh, which is NAACP, ver NAACP versus Buttons, which says, uh, the education of law should not be licensed by any state. So on the screen, we have the 2018 uh, numbers or financials from the Title IV-D program as it's designated by Congress. As you know, all the programs have to report their financials to the budget office. So here it states that, floor, that the Title IV-D program generated or collected $28.5 billion, as well as for the same year, 2018, they paid out to families, which are basically mothers and children, $27.4 billion. Well, here's a question. And a quick math, 28.5, and you subtract 27.4, there's a billion dollars missing. In order to review Florida's statute, we decided to take the presentation as presented to the Title IV-D agency in Florida, as opposed to us creating our own slides. And then we'll examine it and raise some questions. As we said, we did the state of Texas. And whether you live in Texas or not, uh, it's nice to review the program because, again, these are government programs. It's, you should know what, what's going on, how it's functioning in another state. We are working on a video for the state of Florida. Uh, it's still in development, and we're continuing to do our research. In the meantime, to be notified when the California program is released, we're asking that you subscribe to our channel as well as hit the notification bell as well. So let's look at the Title IV-D program for Florida. In their presentation that's on the screen, they're stating that it's a federal law and it falls under Title 42 U.S.C. 651 and on. Yes, that is, this, that is the program itself. So here's our first opinion. The Office of Child Support Enforcement, OCSE, as Congress designated or delegated under Department of Health and Services, and that it is administered by that department, and it's a single and separate organization. So let's continue with the slide. It says here, what is Title IV-D under Florida? Under Florida, first item here, it says, the Title IV-D child support court is a specialized court dealing only with child support matters involving Florida Department of Revenue. Well, here's the first question. There is no such thing as a Title IV-D court. There's only one court system, which is an Article III court in, in the United States. 
as managed by the nine justices on the United States Supreme Court. There is no title for the court. Next, it says that under the 12th Judicial Circuit, which is Florida, the counties are presided over by a child support hearing officer, and that falls under family law 12.491. So the hearing hearing officer is elected uh, to preside over your child support case. And then he or she recommends, or recommendations are sent to a circuit court judge to review. And then if the circuit court judge reviews and agrees and signed it, then it becomes a court order. So basically what this is saying is that the child support hearing officer is not a judge, but they're presiding over the, your case law as if they were a judge. The second part of that is the judge reviews it. There's nowhere in the statute we found that the judge can reject it. So a similar situation occurs in New York, in the state of New York. However, they're not called a hearing. They're called support magistrates. And the function of the same, they are lawyers. Uh, in the case of New York, it's 205.32 is the state statute. And they're hired as uh, as attorneys. However, their functions are non-judicial. They're not sort of public accountants, they're not tax preparers, they're not bookkeepers, and they're not financial advisors. Well, how can a hearing officer or support magistrate sits over a financial instrument and they do not have a license to practice? Well, that's fraud. As we ask in the beginning of the video, is Florida operating a fraudulent program? Well, it requires further review. Now, number two here on the screen is support magistrate or quasi-judges or hearing officers. We said that you can sue them in court for what? Practicing without a license. We got this information from what's called the Department of Justice letter dated 2016. Yes, we understand that the, the letter was rescinded. However, there's still valuable information in that document. And here, number two is support magistrate and quasi-judges can be sued. We have a video on this as well, and please feel free to review that. So our opinion number two, when a state official administering a federal funded program, that state official is still acting under the color of state law. That is Tongle versus Usury, Ninth Circuit, as well as the hearing officers and magistrate cannot create enforceable court orders because why? It has to go to a circuit court judge. Because this process violates the 14th Amendment. We have a video on this channel called The Color of Law. We ask that you review that. Now, yes, we understand that many uh, statements out there says they don't like the form. The The Color of Law form doesn't have any effect. Well, we have a different approach to it. And you'll find it later at the end of the video. So this is our section, what we said it's call to action, where we raise certain questions and then we provide remedies for you to use in your court case. And where we start is this, 42 U.S. Code 652, which is the duties of the secretary, which basically established the Office of Child Support. Well, here's a question to raise, which is a jurisdictional question. The Department of Revenue manages the Office of Child Support. Well, that's not a separate agency. 
That's a government agency that reports to the governor. Likewise, the Department of Health and Services oversees the Title IV-D program. Well, does that mean that the Department of Revenue reports both into the governor and into the Department of Services, one level below? Let's see what the remedy is at the end. So to continue with the slides, the Department of Revenue is involved in the case because, as it says here on the chart, for collecting and enforcing child support. The DOR, as it's called, is in your case because either you have requested the father, their services, or the parent with the child is a recipient of public benefits such as food stamp, Medicaid, state cash assistance, and so forth. Well, here's a problem with that, quite, with that statement. Do you see the issue? It says, if you requested services, what if you didn't request services and your ex or spouse is not on the program? Then how are you involved in the child support? It says here that you requested it. What if they force you to, to accept the services? Well, that's a question. So let's move to what we call Sarasota and DeSoto counties. The Office of the Attorney General acts as legal counsel for the DOR, Department of Revenue. So here comes another constitutional question. How can the Attorney General's office be reporting to the governor and they're reporting to the Title IV-D office, which falls under the Department of Health, which they report to as well? In Manatee County, uh, the clerk provide their own attorney. So they provide outside attorney within that county. So that again, these are questions to be raised in your case. So here's my opinion number three. We reviewed the Florida statute 409.2564. It's called action for support. Section four reads, Whenever Department of Revenue has undertaken an action for enforcement of support, Department of Revenue may enter into an agreement with the obligor. The obligor, the name, the definition of obligor is another made-up name for fathers under the Title 40 program. And agreement with the obligor for the entry of a judgment determining paternity and support. Then the obligor shall be informed that a judgment will be entered based on the agreement. The clerk shall file the agreement without any payments into the court into the court as a judgment and then send the copy of that judgment to the parties in the action. So let's unpack this for a second. So in order for the DOR revenue, Department of Revenue, to be involved, they may enter an agreement. Well, which is it? Is it you have an agreement or you don't have an agreement. May, me, may to me refers to voluntary. What if you voluntarily do not want to have an agreement with the Florida Revenue? Does that mean they can bring a case to, against you in, in court, in family court? Next, it says that you should be notified and informed that the agreement, which you're supposed to sign, will be entered as a judgment. Well, wait, shouldn't a judgment be presided over by a judge of a circuit court? Again, because hearing officers cannot make judicial orders. So that's a problem with the statement. Next, it says a copy of that should be sent to the parties. So basically what you're saying is you there's an agreement in which you are may sign 
and it will turn into a judgment. And again, what if you don't want to sign it or don't agree to it? What's next? The next slide. It is. It says here that for the the Title IV D program, which is called the State Disimbursement Unit or SDU. Well, it's not called SDU. It's called Department of Revenue, right? It says you're responsible for the payment. Okay. All right. So they now they've decided to change the name of it from Department of Revenue to the SDU unit. On the screen here, we have what we call Blessing versus Freestone. It's a famous case. You've, we often quote here on the channel, it says that the Title IV-D program has nothing to do with the parent or the child. It's simply just a measuring system for the secretary. And, it, and whether it benefits anyone else, it doesn't matter. So again, we're instituting a child support program that doesn't benefit the parents. And it's a, an agreement that one may enter into. So here's my opinion on number four. Again, we go into the Florida statute 409. This time we review section five. It says here, whenever the department has undertaken an action to determine paternity or establish support, right? The department shall be a party to the action only for those purposes allowed under Title 14 of the Social Security Act. The program attorney shall be the attorney to record solely for the purpose of support enforcement. Further, the attorney-client relationship exists between the department and the legal services provided in Title 4D, and they do not represent the obligee, which is the mother, another name created, or the family. Okay, so Blessing versus Freestone was correct. Title 4D was, net, was never meant for the parents. So how does the Department of Revenue gain jurisdiction? They just create the case? Again, that's a question to be answered. And here's something interesting that we found out, and we have a video on this. If you're a 1099 worker, you cannot use the Department of Revenues for child support. In fact, you're not covered under the jurisdiction of child support. Review that video. Next on the slide, it says here that if you cannot earn enough to pay the child support, then the Department of Revenue can force you into what is called a job training program. And here it says here on the screen, the minimum of 30 jobs, in other words, applying for 30 jobs every 30 days, and you keep a record of it. And oh, by the way, if you can't pay or they impute the income, well, we just force you to get another job. That's what this is saying in the presentation. Next, it says, what if you don't pay or you can't pay or you're not ability to pay? Well, you can be brought in to, again, family court on a civil contempt hearing, wherein as where willful noncompliance with the support order can lead to the county jail. Basically, this lock you up if you can't pay. And again, if you can't pay, we're expecting you to get additional job or liquidate 
your assets. It says here, before what happens, the hearing officer may require the obligor to sell assets of value to pay the proceeds in a lump sum towards child support. This is called a purge. Here's my opinion number five. Again, we go to the statute, but this time we look at section six and section seven. Section six reads, the officers, employees, agents, uh, acting in pursuant of, to the contract, again, the contract that they signed with the department, are immune from liability for tort and for actions taken. Uh, not according to uh, the law, you're not a judicial officer. And so how can you have immunity? Only judicial officers have immunity. So this statement is false. It's wrong. Also, the director of the department or the director's designee is authorized to issue subpoena to any person for financial information. Well, who is this designee? Remember, in some counties, it's the attorney general and the attorneys, and sometimes it's the outside counsel. So who's that designee? You need to ask that question. Who are we talking to? What is this person? What are their functions? That's a question to be raised. And we recognize that this is an issue what we call know your rights. We have a video on this on this channel called Know Your Rights. So this is a United States Supreme Court case. It's called Monell versus New York Department of Social Services. The justices says that it's through lawsuits against state officers that state compliance with federal law is achieved. The availability of Ex parte Young gives life to the supremacy clause. And there can be no doubt that Title 42, 1983 was intended to provide the remedy against those who violated federally protected rights. So you can sue all those folks within the Title 4D, whether they work for the Attorney General's office or not, under the statute of, Mon I'm sorry, under the case law Monell versus New York City Department of Social Services. So here's one of the challenges under Ex parte Young. It's called challenge of jurisdiction. Who are you fighting? Who are you attacking? Is it the Office of Child Support staff, or is it the Attorney General acting as legal counsel, or is it outside counsel? You need to know that. In other words, if you are not screaming jurisdiction when they drag you or force you into that room, then you're losing your opportunity for a challenge. So here's our opinion, my opinion, number six. In the case called Holberg versus Holberg out of Minnesota, and they were referencing the case law, Neyland versus Clear, uh, uh, Clearwater Memorial Hospital, it says, an administrative agency lacks subject matter jurisdiction to decide a constitutional issue because those questions are within exclusive province of who? Judicial branch makes sense. But he goes on to say, although precluded from raising constitutional issue in an administrative proceedings, you can commence an action or by motion in a district court to raise any issues outside the jurisdiction of the administrative process. That is, if you feel your constitutional rights are violated, you can bring an action against a child support D. They are not covered by immunity. We just reviewed Monell versus Department of Services for New York. The justices said the exact same thing. No, they are not covered by judicial immunity.
they can be sued. Here's another case. This one is out of Nashville, Tennessee. These group of mothers sued Mr. Victor Johnson III, who's the attorney general, regarding the Title IV-D program. But on page two, where the judge wrote that Mr. Johnson, while under the contract services of the Title IV-D, when this case started, well, the contract expired. And therefore, they no longer have what is called, he's a party to the case. So clearly in this lawsuit, they sued the attorney general. So the issue that somehow the attorney general is immune from lawsuit when they're acting as legal counsel, that's a false statement. So let's get back to uh, the presentation from the Florida Child Support. Here it says, if you don't have an attorney, you can request one. However, you need if you request uh, a hearing or you need an attorney or you're operating you know, on your own, fill out Form C. And the reason for, for including this into our, into our presentation is when you request challenges or you serve court papers, please ensure that you serve all the designated parties. That includes the mother, that includes the attorney general acting as legal counsel. Always remember to serve everyone or else your papers will be ignored. So this brings us to what is called a notice of claim. A notice of claim is basically, it's a notice of intention to file a claim or lawsuit against the state or its employees. In almost all the state, this is required, except if you file a 1983 in federal court, you may not, it may not have, it may not be required, but in state court, even if you file a 1983, a notice of claim. So here's where the color of uh, the color of law firm comes in. Well, this is fraud upon the court. We feel what Florida is doing is this fraud upon the court. This is how the color of law comes in. Just take the text off of the form and put that into your claim. It's the, it's not the pa piece of paper that moves our laws. It's a statute. It's the, the, the codes. That's what it is. So that's one way to use the color of law form. It also says that a judge is a judge or hearing officer is liable for injury caused by a ministerial act, which is to have immunity, you must be performing a judicial function. Again, ex parte uh, young. So therefore, Title IV-D is not a judicial program as, managed, as administered by the Department of Revenue or what they're calling the, the support unit. So here we are at our call to action section. As he said, we give you remedies. So we suggest, again, you can get the copy of the Department of Justice letter as well as the COL form. We also, in your paperwork, ask for the contract from the attorney general or the attorneys on the case. And your remedy, you challenge a jurisdiction of the state. You challenge a jurisdiction of, of the uh, attorney general. It says here, in every defense in law or fact, to a claim for relief in a pleading must be asserted in a responsive manner if it's required. That is jurisdiction. In addition, in your paperwork, you should review or include 42 U.S. Code 652, which is the duties of the secretary. 
We also suggest that you review 45 CFR 302.34. That covers the cooperative agreement. What sort of agreement is being uh, by the attorneys in the case? Next, review the Florida statutes, 409-25464, called Action for Support. And the reason for this, whether you create your own documents or you purchase a pack of templates or you download a template from anywhere, ensure that you match the information from the state code to include in your paperwork and not just put your name on the document and submit that. And finally, with all the confusion and the constitutional issues, is to leave the program, work on leaving the program. So if you disagree with this or agree with any of our comments, please feel free to email us. Next, we ask that you subscribe to our channel as well as hit the notification bell. When we release the next video, then we will send out notification to you. We also ask for a small donation of approximately $25 or any amount that just put towards our research so that we can bring you more videos. Again, you could review the, uh, the Google or the internet for all of these case laws and spend hours locating them then spend the time and review them. What we have done is we did all that work for you and present them to you. So basically we've given you the case laws you need. We've given you some of what our suggestions are and you could just sit quietly with your cup of coffee and review them and see if they fit your case. So this brings us to the end of our presentation. There are other videos that we've suggested on the screen. Uh, please feel free to click on the screen and uh, review them. And thanks.